Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 48 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. This evening's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. And also, given that this is the postseason, we will be sponsored and partnered with Wilson all the way through. That is always super fun. Excited to, to partake of the Wilson experience in Omaha and be partnered up with these guys, teamed up with Wilson as we take it through the postseason. Gentlemen, good evening. Happy Super Regional Week. I've got Aaron J. Fit. I've got Kendall J. Rogers. I've got Joseph J. Healy. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. What's up, Lawrence? How are we doing? Kendall, how's the move going? It's going well. As you can see, my, my bookshelves have not been stocked just yet. But, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I was hoping we'd have a Super Regional in Terra Paradise this weekend. Paradise. Oh, it's the best. Is that a great is it, is that, that was the hashtag is it of the round? Paradise? No, it's Paradise. It's T E or T E R E D I S E. Yeah, it was amazing. Paradise. Gentlemen, can we get to the inane banter? Should we just get right to it? I thought we were there already. Aaron's been waiting all day for the inane banter. Okay. So tonight, this evening is Wednesday, as far as I know. And which means we are a week away from our paradise, Omaha, Nebraska, our paradise for college baseball. Which also means the nonsense tracker is eminent. Mm. And I think the nonsense tracker is very much like the NCA selection committee where, I don't know, year to year, is the nonsense tracker, is it anti-headphone? Is it pro-headphone? Oh. Is it anti-Seamus? Is it pro-Seamus? Seamus oh, come P- on. PA announcer. Fitzy, you're, you're the John Cohen of the nonsense tracker. Would you care to give us some guidance? What, what does this committee care about in 2023? Yeah, there is no committee. The committee is me. <laughs> I am the arbiter. I am a despot when it comes the to Omega, awarding, if you will. awarding and subtracting points in the press box. Let me get a few things straight. We're pro-Sheamus. Of course we are. We want, we want to help bring out the best in Sheamus. That means we're occasionally, Sheamus gets docked if he mispronounces <laughs> a name or makes a bad call on an error or a we'll hit. Get every once in a while. But it's only because we hold them to a high standard. We believe in Seamus. And I just I want to make sure everyone knows that there's no committee and we're pro-Sheamus. That's what I got. Fitzy, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. As a multi-time winner of the Nonsense Tracker contest, I feel like I I have gamed the RPI of the Nonsense Tracker. I feel like that's where I'm at. You really are a Valley guy. To make it a slow burn. Like, you got to stay quiet the first few days. Like, you can't be a volume shooter early in the series because I feel like the Arbiter is more willing to give and take away points early in the series. So it can be easy to get intoxicated and try to overplay your hand. What you really have to do is keep a low profile the first, I'd say four or five days, and then pick your spots late. 
because by yeah. then people have lost points. So if you just stay close to zero Ooh. for the first four or five days, then you can make your move late. So you're, you're not going to win the nonsense tracker with hundreds of points. You just have to stay above water for the most part. See, this is why we brought Joe on at D1 Baseball, because while we're all, all out here just having fun, this dude's over here playing 3D chess on stuff like the nonsense tracker. <laughs> and I'll tell you. Joe, he also, he's got the naturally sunny disposition. He's just a pleasant yeah. guy to be around, which Kendall by week two gets surly and goes to headphones mode. And you get, you got, listen, if you're going to go to headphones and ignore the rest of us in the press box, <laughs> you're going to get docked. And yeah. you're going to get docked. We're consistent in that. You know what you're getting into and you get what you deserve. I will say, and you cannot dock me for this. I will say you will not be in Omaha for opening weekend. So guess who gets to control the nonsense tracker on weekend one right here? I'll oh, determine. is that true? I'll determine is that... who gets it. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> Runes, may I have a sponsor integration of a name banter, if I may? Please, yeah, please. In honor of Wilson, I have made a list of my top five Wilsons. What do you got? Okay, number five, Wilson from Home Improvement. Excellent. Remember that show? Okay. Yes. Number four, great. Carney Wilson of Wilson Phillips fame. <laughs> Pretty good. That's questionable, but here we go. Number, number three, Brian Wilson, not the closer, but the guy who was in the Beach Boys. Yeah. Okay. Number two, FSU legend Paul Wilson. Okay. Number one, Wilson Sporting Goods. Okay. Can I add Wilson? Yeah. Sure. You can have your own list. How about Texas superfan Scott Wilson? Somebody told me this was this past weekend was his 1,640th straight game, Texas baseball game to attend. How about that? It's a good run. Can I can I dock Joe minus two for sucking up to the sponsor? Number one, that just or feels like blatant, go plus feels two, like blatant pandering to me. Yeah. See, I, I think the way to go with, was to give Wilson the volleyball the top spot Joe, because Joe, it's a Wilson produced product, but it's but it's a little bit indirect. Joe, yeah. quit trying to go after an NIL deal, man. <laughs> I thought he was perfect. He was he was he was leading the witness. He was baiting us, Fitzy, because we all know Wilson the volleyball not being on the top five list is like. Totally, <laughs> the list loses credibility. There's no that yeah, volleyball man. is incredible. I was, I was gonna, we'll end the name banter with this. I, my plan was to roll into the press box first day Fitzy's there with a Tom Brady jersey just to taunt Chris from Louisville. But now I feel like Coach Healy's teaching me, like, hey, just consistent ABs. I tend to burn hot and fade. So, I got a lot to think about here. You got to make sure it's a New England jersey, not that fraud Bucks jersey. It doesn't matter. Either one's acceptable. I uh, feel like that, taunting Chris from Louisville is you could really score points doing that. Yeah, that's the key. Yes. Very good. All right, boys, let's get the peoples ready for the Super Regional Round. Let's get ourselves ready for the Super Regional Round. We have a format tonight. We're going to go through the eight Super Regionals. We're going to go in alphabetical order by host, town, or city. And we're going to, we have designated choices that we've made. The four areas we're going to focus on in each super regional is best hitter, best pitcher, an X factor for the home team, and an X factor for the visiting team. So that will, that format will take us around the eight super regionals. And, and again, we're going to go, if you're looking at a bracket, we're going to go in alphabetical order by locations. I'll tee us up and bear with me. Gentlemen, are we ready? Affirmative. All right, so let's start with the Baton Rouge Super Regional. So we know LSU is hosting. LSU won their own regional. Oregon State was the finalist. LSU looked very impressive. Kentucky is the visiting team. They won the Lexington Regional. They were very much challenged by Indiana. Had to come through the loser's bracket, but also looked very impressive. Um, I got to get my color coding correct. Fitzy, hit her to watch, please. 
Yeah. So I, I tweeted the other day, I was watching the, the post-game interview with, I believe, the regional MVP, Devin Burks of Kentucky. And it just struck me, he seems like a delightful guy. What, what an interview. Awesome. I mean, just a really charming personality, I thought. And you could see why when you've got a magnetic catcher like that, I just think that, that really is a good thing for any team. And also, by the way, he can hit and he's had a great year. As you can see with the numbers on the screen here for our viewers who aren't listening to the audio podcast of the show. It's a 934 Ops, but had a great weekend too. And really some clutch hits. And this is a team that thrives on getting those timely hits because they manufacture a lot of offense. And so he's going to be a, a key piece of it this weekend on both sides of the ball. Very good. So green is, is Kendall. Kendall, you got pitcher to watch here. The low-hanging fruit would say Paul Skeens, but let's move past Paul Skeens. We all know Paul Skeens is really good. He's more than likely probably going to want to start. So I think the biggest key for me is Ty Floyd for LSU. If you look at Ty Floyd two weeks ago in A&M in the SEC tournament, he was electric. The fastball had a lot of write-up in the zone, a lot of life on that fastball. Last week against Oregon State, 71 pitches, only went three innings for LSU. I just think if you look at LSU this weekend, he's going to be a big key for them because if Paul Skeens wins, somebody's going to have to give him a good start after that. And certainly the big key to beating LSU is getting that bullpen early. So I think if Ty Floyd can give them five, five and a third, I think you'll take that. But what you don't need is three innings out of Ty Floyd. Very fair. Very fair. All right. So I think I am up next with the X factor for the home team, which will be LSU. And it's what you just said, Kendall. It's, and this is not meant to be pejorative in any way. It's the pitching production from the non-Skeens group. So I would say that LSU has an 85 to 90% chance of winning. It's non-zero, but that's their percentage chance of winning the skein start. So then you got to win one more. And the question becomes, you mentioned Ty Floyd. I'm thinking about Riley Cooper. I'm thinking about Thatcher Hurd. Can he continue to show that he's taking a step? Boy, the breaking ball is awesome. You know, still gives up a little bit of damage, but he certainly can collect outs. And there's swing and miss there. The the Griffin Herrings of the world, There, there's options there. But is it the kind of manic group that we saw early in the deal? Or is it what it felt like a kind of calmer waters in the super or in the regional round, I should say. So pitching production from the non-Skeens group feels like the, for the, for their pitchers not named Paul Skeens, that seems like an X factor for LSU. Joseph, how about an X factor for Kentucky? It's limiting big innings when LSU's at the plate, avoiding big innings in the field. For There's a couple things that go into this. Kentucky's pitching, I think, has taken a step forward. Zach Lee has been better. Austin Strickland has really established himself as a guy in the rotation again. Mason Moore has stepped up and become their best bullpen guy when six weeks ago, I don't know if I would have been able to give you a great answer if you said, hey, who's Kentucky's best bullpen guy? I would have given you three or four answers of guys who are pretty good. I don't know that I would have had a real answer. Now Mason Moore is clearly that answer. The thing about it is they don't miss a ton of bats. We've talked about that before. So LSU is going to be putting the ball in play. And that's obviously dangerous with how good that offense is. So the key for Kentucky is to limit the number of times they give up. Even two runs sometimes feels like a win when LSU gets rolling. So it's avoiding the three, four, five run innings because the other piece of this is that Kentucky's offense is just not really built to win that way. They're going to go one or two runs at a time. And so you've got to try to keep LSU under six, seven, eight runs in any given game to feel even remotely confident in winning it. Yep. Yep. Your insight on Kentucky has really helped me, Joe. I think they're one of the tricky teams to get your arms around in this super regional. I've found myself having to spend extra time on Kentucky because, as you've said, they're, it's really not a top-heavy roster. It's a very 
and this complimentary, like the middle of that roster is very strong, but it's, it makes it harder to get to know them. All right, boys, let's talk about who we picked here. Um, Kendall, I think you go first, then Fitzy, then Joe, then me. Kendall, who'd you pick? I'm going with the LSU Tigers. The one thing I will say about Kentucky is they did rough up LSU in game three early this year in Baton Rouge, but I think LSU closed this thing out in two games. Fitzy? Yeah, LSU, there's just too much power. They're too good at home. And I actually think the pitching has shown me some encouraging things after skiing recently. And I just, I can't bet against those guys at home. They're, they're just too talented. Jose? Kentucky's going to be game, but I'm going LSU. Yeah, I agree with all that. Kentucky is going to be game. The thing is, Kentucky's style of play now that Trey Morgan is playing more and more first base for LSU, I think, I mean, he is so good at first base. So I'm taking LSU too. And I think Trey Morgan plays a lot of first base this weekend. All right, boys. Very good. Let's head to the Charlottesville Super Regional. Virginia won their regional. Again, they were very impressive. ECU pressed them a little bit. Virginia handled it just fine. And then Duke won the Conway Regional. And I thought Duke was super impressive. They, whatever little tiny fade they had at the end of the regular season seemed to be very much gone. I thought they were, man, very sharp in, in coastal. So I'll take the hitter to watch. The hitter to watch for me is Kyle Teal. And I just, I didn't want to overthink it. Like he's the best hitter in this region. They're super regional. Like this kid, I was worried about him coming into this year. I, I thought he was too twitchy to catch. Like he was almost distracting back there, but he settled in beautifully. And now that excessive athleticism is an asset to him as a catcher and his offense he was fine last year offensively like in 841 ops anybody would take this year he's been a game-changing hitter so Kyle Teal to me is the hitter to watch because he's the best hitter in this thing go ahead if if I could jump in on this because I just was working on our super regional previews and talking to another coach who's played Virginia he said a couple things that struck me about Teal defensively one is that he's kind of like a shortstop back there and he he meant that as a compliment Mm -hmm. he'll throw from different slots and it's just it's just relying on athleticism in some ways but also he talked about how good Teal is at stealing strikes it's something he's Mm -hmm. really good at and it, it one important thing to watch is, frankly, like what kind of umpire they've got. That that could play a big role in this because he can really impact the game back there with, with his ability to do that. Yeah, fair enough. Joe, I believe you have the pitcher to watch. I do. I went with Brian Eddington from Virginia. A couple things interest me here. T- to Aaron's point, if Kyle Teal's good at stealing strikes, this is precisely the type of pitcher who needs that kind of thing. The stuff is not overwhelming. And I was doubtful about how much of an impact he would have this year for Virginia, frankly. But I probably ought to stop just thinking that about the players, they, the pitchers they take in the portal, because last year I thought that about Brian Gursky, and he turned out to be pretty doggone good for them. And so Eddington's in that group. Frankly, Nick Parker's in that group. Connolly Early's a little bit better than that group, but he's similar. And so I think there's a lot of credit to Drew Dickinson, who frankly developed a lot of pitchers like this in his time at Illinois. So it's something he's very comfortable doing. And Eddington pitched great. And to start the regional against Army, and you can nitpick and say, okay, it's Army, but that's a good offense. And he threw five no hit innings. Like, I don't care who it's against in a regional, five no hit innings is five no hit innings. So, impressive stuff there. He's going to have to be good again this weekend for Virginia to feel comfortable. Very good. Hey, Kendall, X Factor for Virginia, please. Yeah, I think I look at Virginia, and I think the big key for them is to keep MJ, MJ Metz in check. If you look at his weekend in Conway, four home runs, guys. Now at 17 on the year was the most outstanding player. And it just seemed like from afar, and Aaron saw them on Monday, but it seemed like from afar, like that offense gravitated around him in the same way that Ole Miss did around Tim Elko. And his 
just big game ability, clutch hit ability, uh, and even has the mustache to match Tim Elko. But just I think if Virginia can keep him from energizing that lineup and being that, that big home run guy there at the dish this weekend, I think that's going to be a big key for them. If anyone's listening and not watching, there is a graphic of NJ Mets right now in a steel cage with a fire bat. <laughs> like it is. It's ridiculous, Chris, man. Christian Air, oh. I see you working. That is. By the plus, way, plus. I didn't even mention that MJ has a torn ACL, by the way. Yeah. To Melko Jr. Sorry about that, MJ. Uh, I think it's Fitzy. a bat with icicles on it, runes, rather than oh. a fire bat. Do it. <laughs> that's cold. Like in college baseball now, do we have to have the designated torn ACL guy who goes bonkers in the postseason yeah. now every year? Apparently so. <laughs> it's the market inefficiency. It sounds well, painful, but who, who I mean, doesn't it's... like dropping bombs in the postseason? Four. He had four home runs this past weekend, plus at, at least one double in the, the regional championship game. He three hits, and and then he's lifting up Eric Tyler, of course, one of their assistant coaches. He's he's just like a bag of potatoes. He's just like, oh, I'm six foot six, two foot. Like it's just, <laughs> still, it's awesome. He's just a really fun player. Go ahead, uh, Fitzy. X factor for this team. So the fascinating thing about Duke, of course, is where their pitching staff is structured. I saw a tweet that they're 300th in the nation when it comes to length, average length of start. As just over three innings, which is by design. Once they lost Jonathan Santucci to injury, they kind of just went all in on this openers thing. And Alex Gow will be the guy who he's made the most starts, and he gave them four shutout innings in the regional final. So they have a guy that can maybe get you once through and then maybe a tick more, but they're going to mix and match. The key is they have a great elite bullpen. And for most of the year, James Talon has been the guy back there. He's on the Stopper of the Ward, Stopper of the Year Award watch list or finalist list, whatever it is I saw just now. He's got 11 saves, 54 strikeouts and 10 walks and 32 innings. The numbers this year have been bonkers. He's been mostly untouchable until the very end. And he got touched up a little bit last few weeks and Miami got him a couple times once in the ACC tournament and they didn't use him in the regional. He was available, but I do think there's a little bit of that freshman wall thing that we see happen every year to these prominent arms and that does make him, I think, the ultimate X factor because he's really he was their best guy almost all year long on their pitching staff, and now he didn't pitch in the regional, and he was available. And it's so, what does that mean now? Is he going to pitch? I was told to expect he probably, you know, if they need him, but if so, what's it going to look like? It's a guy that is all about the fastball. That's his pitch. It's a, an elite metrics deal with a low angle of a, a approach and all that stuff. And the fastball plays way above 91, 93, but he's got to hit his spots with it. And, and he's got to have that life, you know, because he's not going to knock you out with a wipeout secondary pitch. So anyway, it's just a fascinating X factor to me because potentially he could come back and be nails. Maybe this extra week of rest will do him some good and he could win this regional for him. Right. Or he could not pitch or he could pitch and, and give it up. Like we just don't know. And to me, that makes him the ultimate X factor. Yeah, and as the viewers can see, but not the listeners, this graphic has a very intimidating picture of James Talon and a very mediocre freshman wall with the word freshman written on it. He's going to smash that wall and be excellent this weekend. Let's do our team picks. Boys, Kendall, you are the leadoff hitter. And uh, who do you like here? I like Virginia at home. It's hard to go against those guys at home. Fitzy? I had a hard time with this one, guys, because I really like this Duke team. I, I don't want to doubt them because I don't doubt them. They could absolutely go up there and win this re- this Super Regional. They already won two out of three in Charlottesville. I think their team is super fun and entertaining and good. It's a team that could definitely get to Omaha. I just think that Virginia is playing at an elite level, and they're overwhelmingly talented. I think the lineup is just a, just elite. It's just elite offensively and defensively. And, and I haven't given them enough credit on the mound this year. For all the reasons we've talked about, there's a lack of – knockout stuff but 
by God, I think they're sixth in the nation in ERA. Like at some point, you just kind of have to say, hey, wait a minute. Like they can really pitch too. And they just played awesome in the regional. So I'm taking Virginia. Joe. Going with Duke, if for no other reason than I've ridden Duke quite a bit in our picks this season, and they've usually served me pretty well. So I'm just going to ride the hot hand on that one. Oh, I love the loyalty. I also picked Duke. I just, I love their team. This is really, this was a tough pick. I, I'm banking on Virginia's pitching, feasting on not very good offenses in Charlottesville, which could be a just total wrong diagnosis by me. One thing I'll say, I I just, this is, this was really hard. Maybe the hardest one to pick, one of the hardest to pick. The crowds in Charlottesville for the regional were awesome. It's their first time hosting since they renovated the dish and man those crowds were amazing so i'm very much looking forward to watching a super regional here all right boys let's keep cruising let's head to fort worth that is tcu versus indiana state tcu won the fayetteville regional they're 17 and 2 since may 1st arguably the hottest team in the country not named oral roberts indiana state won the Terradice Regional, the Terre Haute Regional, and they cannot, this is not a secret clearly, but Indiana State cannot host the Super Regional because of their commitment to host the Special Olympics in Terre Haute this weekend. You can see all about that online if you just Google it. And TCU will host this Fort Worth Super Regional. Fitzy, you have the hitter to watch. Fire away. Frankly, Runes, I think it would be disrespectful to pick anyone other than Trey Robinson. <laughs> After what he just did this weekend, I know it's low hanging fruit, but come on. Like, how can I pick anybody else? Enters the weekend with, I think, two home runs, right? Two home runs he had all season. Mm -hmm. He hits three in a game, the first two of which were grand slams. Finishes with 11 11 RBIs in that game. This was against Arkansas, mind you. And Hagen Smith started that game. Just a bonkers performance. And he's an athlete. He's a good defender. He's a fun player to watch, an energy guy. But he's never really been a power hitter until this past weekend. And we'll see if he can stay hot or not. But he's fun to watch. And that was a hell of a display this past weekend. Sure was. Awesome. Really cool. Joe, this is you for Pitcher to Watch, correct? Yes. Matt Jasek from Indiana State. I think we're used to seeing week after week the Jasek Finlong tandem just be unassailable for Indiana State. And in the regional, it wasn't that. Finlong pitched pretty well, but Jasek did not. Um, and so one of the reasons, we'll get to this later, one of the reasons I actually feel pretty decent about Indiana State in this super regional is that I have a hard time believing those guys are going to have subpar weeks, two weeks in a row. Now, we did learn some things about Indiana State, I think, during regionals. I think we, for those who hadn't been watching them this season, woke up to the fact that, oh, they actually have some bullpen arms here too. There, there's guys in this bullpen with real stuff, not just, I think people assume mid-major bullpen guys are going to be under-talented when it comes to that, but they came in there slinging big-time breaking balls and fastballs with ride and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going Jasic just as a pick to bounce back and return the Jasic-Finlong dynamic to the way it was during the regular season. I like it. Kendall, I believe you have the X factor for the home frogs. Who let the frogs out, if you will? Yeah, man, I'm going to be pretty simple here. I think the biggest key for TCU is they've been on a warpath offensively for the last month of the season, and they just need to keep that up. I mean, if you look at the last month of the season, remember when Braden Taylor was hitting like 260? Guys, mm. he's hitting 321 now with 23 bombs and 69 RBIs with 49 walks. Uh, that's, that is that is elite of the elite. And so Braden Taylor, obviously red hot. Aaron just mentioned Trey Richardson. We could go back into him a little bit. But Carson Bowen, a really talented freshman for them, actually leads him in hitting at 360, 363. And he's also done a really nice job behind the play. Then Curtis Burns. So I think for me, when I look at TCU, as long as they continue hitting the way they have the last two or three weeks, I think they're winning this regional at home or the super regional at home. 
I like it. So I have the X factor for Indiana State. And so for the Sycamores, I'm going to just say they're the Latin middle infield, Latin American middle infield that they deploy, which I think makes their team so fun. We've said it many times on this podcast where Indiana State is a team you think they are like physical, older, upper Midwest team with a lot of toughness and experience. But they've also got this super cool influx of Latin American players. And I'm thinking about Randall Diaz, their shortstop is from Puerto Rico. I'm thinking of Josue Erdaneta, who's from Venezuela and plays second base. And these kids are skilled and winners and high energy. And it's just this Indiana State team is so unique. But one of the things Indiana State is, if I'm not mistaken, the top fielding team in the country if they're not number one they've been fluctuating them in the top five out of 295 and randall diaz and erdinetta are a big part of that and when i think about this super regional tcu does not have overwhelming starting pitching i would say it's competitive but it's gettable and but you can't give tcu who's so hot extra outs so if indiana state does their thing and they play their defense and they pitch the way that they're used to pitching these could be very close games headed into seven, eight, and nine, and then anything can happen. But I do think Randall Diaz and Josue Urdaneta up the middle, solidifying things like they have all year are real keys for this team. So really fun group. Boys, let's do our picks. Kendall, who'd you take here? Yeah, I actually think this will be a pretty competitive super. I'll be very honest with you. Like, Indiana State really impressed me over the weekend. I thought they were hard-nosed. They're a really tough team to put away. I like the fact they came back in the eighth and ninth inning. But I have to go with TCU at home. Their offense has been insane. And you're right. Like, their starting pitching isn't overwhelming. But whenever you're hitting the way they are, it doesn't really matter. So, TCU. Fitzy? I love when Kendall's very honest with me. Not just (laughs) rather honest. I also picked TCU. I think uh, being at home, frankly, I was on the fence about this one. But honestly, they're tough at home. I've been there in the postseason, regional game sevens, and I think maybe super as well. It's a very electric atmosphere. And they feed off it in that ballpark. They're right on top of you with the kind of double-decker effect. And it feels it can feel suffocating for an opponent. And Indiana State hadn't been into a setting like this before. I believe that Indiana State you know, can handle it. They're a veteran team, as we've talked about, and they're poised, and they were – very impressive this past weekend, and it wouldn't surprise me again if they go in there and win it. But TCU is red hot, and they're tough at home. Joseph? I'm going to be moderately honest with you. I'm <laughs> going Indiana State. Three reasons. One is I talked about the pitching bounce back that I expect to happen from their big aces. One of the others is that TCU's just been inconsistent this year, and I'm a little bit hesitant to go all in on on betting on them because I'm a little bit afraid of what's around, you know, what's around the corner. The third thing is that Indiana State has played really well on the road this year. Like they're not going to be afraid. And they've played in some SEC environments. They went to Kentucky, and I get that's not one of the cauldrons of the SEC, but this team goes on the road, plays a lot of games on the road. This is going to be nothing new for them, really. So I don't think they're going to be deterred in the way you might expect a team that doesn't get to this stage would be in this scenario. I'll tell you, Lexington was a cauldron this weekend, though. You're right, Joe. Like, normally not, but, man, those crowds were awesome. Uh, I Yeah, this is interesting. I was there on April 30th when TCU lost to Texas, lost the series, and they went to bed that night at 23-20. and And I'll take total credit for TCU's (laughs) rounds. They could sense my disappointment. They, I think they could just feel it, Fitzy. And I think that was that they probably had a players only meeting and said, hey, we have really let runes down. And so let's clean it up and clean it up. They have They're 17 and two ever since. Or maybe I just left and that was the key to their their onslaught. 
So I'm going to pick TCU because in the words of the great Crash Davis, never buck a streak. I'm not here to predict when it ends, and they're just super, super hot. So there you go. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, boys, let's keep it rolling. Let's go to the Eugene Super Regional, another one that we didn't have on our original dance card. So Oregon's the host team. They won the Nashville Regional in very impressive fashion just a weekend after winning the Pac-12 championship tournament in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oral Roberts is the visiting team. They won the Stillwater Regional. Speaking of impressive, and they are on a 21-game hitting streak. Joe, I believe you have the hitter to watch. I do. It is Drew Cowley. Sorry, I was fidgeting with the mute button there for the listeners that wondered why there was an awkward pause. Remember back in the day when we just, Oregon didn't produce physical hitters? Like that was a thing. It was like, we just can't hit for power there. I get that everyone's hitting for power, but they've had a lot of guys that have bucked that trend. And Drew Cowley's one of them. He's the guy who's making it go there. There are other players in the lineup I really like. I almost took Sabine Ceballos. And not just because it's fun to say, but he's had a really nice year. But to me, it's from the jump this year, it's been Drew Cowley making them go and if Oregon's going to pull this through it feels like he's going to be right in the center of it how is he a division two player for a while now Randy Benton at Cal Poly Pomona they do a great job but man like you see him and it's man like he's good at everything really good player in the same way that Jackson Gray was a division three player at one point <laughs> and James that as well Joe, that was a good point on the power in Oregon though remember when uh, Ryan Healy was like the only like player who had power in Oregon's program and he was a monster, too. He was. I yeah. do think it's notable that they relaunched that program right as we were heading into the dead offense period. Yeah. And they played in a pitcher in the graveyard on top of it. And since then, offense has reemerged and they've moved the fences in. And it has been a good thing for the program, for sure. But, yeah, it made it hard for them to recruit hitters for a long time. Uh, and Go ahead, Fitz. You got the next. You got the pitcher, yeah. right? Yeah, I do. I've got Cade Denton, guys, another kind of obvious one. Give me the low-hanging fruit, but this guy was just a sensation in in the regional Stillwater. He was the regional MVP, saved all three games. uh, The thing that's striking was the stuff was just as good in the third game, according to our guy David Seifert, who was on hand. It's 95-96 from a wicked slot, lower slot with tons of deception. It's a very uncomfortable at bat and a knockout slider, too. He shortens the game. He can shorten multiple games in a row. And it's just a big time difference maker. They know that he's got 15 saved now. They know if they've got a lead in the sixth inning, they can smell it. That, that's a guy to, to watch right there. He is awesome. I got the X factor for Oregon, and it's basically packed the house. Like Oregon is one of the sneaky, really good crowds on the right day on the West Coast. And Fitzy, I know you were there in 2012 when they hosted the Super Regional with Kent State. And yeah. 
I went back and looked up those attendance numbers and they had almost 5,000 people in the park for one of those games. And they've already announced a sellout. It's a really cool joint. Like this is one of the more rowdy football atmospheres in college football. And so I, part of my rationale here is that Oral Roberts did the shh to the whole city of Stillwater. Like they just literally never let O'Brate Stadium get going and they just got to play in peace all weekend. And if I'm Oregon, it doesn't mean that or that Oral Roberts can't play in hostile environments, but I certainly want to find out if I'm Oregon. So their crowd, giving their crowd a chance to get involved is key, and I, they could have an impact. Kr, go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, giving the ball, being in the having the ability to give the ball to Cade Denton with a lead at the end of the game. I just think when you look at what he's done this year, 75 strikeouts and 54 and two thirds, and just nine walks. That's about as sure a thing as you can get. And so I think the X factor for them is simply just having a lead or being in contention and being able to turn the game over to him. Because as Aaron pointed out a minute ago, he held his stuff in Stillwater. So that should bode well this weekend as well. Yeah, another great recruiting story, right? Kate Denton been there for three years if, is yeah. based on what I saw. And there's, there, I can't think of a guy I in, in this still left in this tournament I would rather have over Kate Denton. All right, let's do team picks, boys. Kendall, who, who do you like here? Boy, I, I went back and forth on this one. ORU just has that look about them. They're ultra confident, but I like Oregon at home. I just think when you look at their offense, obviously their pitching is not great, but they pitched well enough in, in Nashville to win that regional. I like Oregon at home, but it's close. Fitzy. Yeah, I like the Ducks too. I picked them to win the regional in Nashville. I loved how they were playing in the conference tournament and they just kept it rolling. I think they're pitching pretty well right now. That's the thing is they swooned late in the year when Jay Stoffel went down, but they figured out how to make it work without him. And kind of like Duke, like once they figure out how to make it work with talent not being at his best. And Oregon has made that adjustment and I feel like they're stronger for it. And I love their offense. I think Oral Roberts is very good, but I'm taking the Ducks. Joseph. Go in Oregon. Although... To be clear, I would be pretty happy for either of these teams to make Omaha, right? Oregon has had some close calls, has been generally a good program since relaunching outside of a dip there for a few years, and they haven't gotten there yet. So it would be nice to see them break through. And also Oral Roberts getting rewarded after all those years of just putting great team after great team on the field and us never being sure of how good they actually were or weren't because of the conference competition they were playing in. And also tangentially, if Oral Roberts makes the college world series you have to imagine like the entirety of the ecu family are you serious like those guys before <laughs> oh us gosh, that is yeah like, <laughs> but regardless who no matter who wins this one is going to be a, a, it's going to be fun to see them in omaha just to have a new entrant yeah i also picked oregon and i second guess myself on this pick because i just i'm i looked up their pitching and it's eight guys with 40 or more innings which typically is not a good sign that means like no one is seizing the day. But the more I thought about it, I just think Mark Wasikowski, Jake Angier, Jack Martyr, like this is an elite coaching staff. It's really one of the best coaching staffs in America. We probably don't mention that enough. And so I know they're recruiting at a high level. And even though the pitching names aren't as famous as the position player names, they're talented kids. They wouldn't be pitching for Oregon if they weren't talented. And I believe in Jake Angier. I believe he's a very good pitching coach. So anyway, the pitching success is making more sense to me. And so I'm going with the Ducks. Uh, all right, boys, let's keep it moving. So the next Super Regional is Gainesville. And the host team is Florida. Obviously, the visiting team is South Carolina. Florida won the Gainesville Regional. They came through the loser's bracket because Texas Tech upset them in the winner's bracket game. South Carolina was just dominant in the Columbia Regional. And so we got an all-SEC matchup here. 
Aaron, give us a hitter to watch, please. So the guy that I'm going to highlight here is Cade Curlin. He's the dynamic freshman leadoff hitter, second baseman. The last time I was in Gainesville was when they played Vanderbilt, and they just whacked Vanderbilt around, and he was a big part of that. I think he had six hits that weekend and had another big game against Kentucky. Then he kind of went quiet for a while. And he woke up again, beat up Vanderbilt again in the conference tournament, another home run. And then he just uh, three hits over the weekend. Like he was there. He's still getting some walks. But when he's on, when he is locked in and hot and being the, this dynamo at the top of the order, I think it, it makes them feel unstoppable. You know, it really does. You know, if he's just uh, getting on base once or twice a game, it's still something like a walk or a hit or whatever. But like when he's dialed, it's just something else. It just elevates them. So anyway, that, that's the guy that I've got my eye on this weekend. for. Fun. Yeah, he's fun. I'm with you. I love that guy. So I have the picture to watch and I'm going to go Will Sanders of South Carolina. The, the the injury deal with South Carolina is well documented. Noah Hall's not coming back, though. And Noah Hall was a big part of that 34-6 and six start for them. Will Sanders was just nasty, or as Chris from Louisville would say, and I love this, he was gnarly in relief, and the slider plays up. And I just think Will Sanders has a swagger. He's got a fearlessness that really is important to South Carolina. And at this point in his year, I do think relief, a relief role accentuates that the best. I think they'd actually be doing him a disservice putting him on the front end. So I love the role for Will Sanders, and I think he's really important to everything about South Carolina's operation. If I could piggyback on that, because I was just down there watching him from right behind the plate, and yes, like it, it was. I love this particular role for him right now because the fastball, as we know, it plays down. He doesn't miss any bats with the fastball, but if you bring him out of the bullpen, just let him rip those sliders, that pitch was filthy. When you don't need to do as much with the fastball, if you're coming out of the pen and just being a slider monster, that, that can really work for you. And he's got a changeup. He's got a curveball. Like he can mix, but I think it's easier to do that in short stints. And just I think also just coming out of the bullpen keeps him in an aggressive attack mindset and really lets him just attack with that, that, that especially that slider. And, and I just think it, it does help him succeed. But I will say this. The previous time I was in Gainesville, he pitched against Florida, and it was his best outing of the year. And he said afterwards that he just really hates Florida, and he really wanted to beat him. And it's let's see what he's got this time around. There was some talk, oh, maybe moving back in the rotation. He is playing Florida. He pitched great against Florida. But I think that's, like you said, would be doing him a disservice and doing the team a disservice. I think he, right now he's just one more weapon in that bullpen. Yes. Kendall, before you do the X Factor, after sure. Kendall does the X Factor for the Gators show, if you approve – Please break right into the Gators fight song, and then you can break right into the X Factor for South Carolina. <laughs> Go ahead, Kendall. Yeah, I was just going to say Florida's starting rotation, giving them some innings. If you're South Carolina, the big key is getting in their bullpen early because they do have depth. But I saw Florida a few weeks ago at A&M, and one of the big keys and one of the big reasons why A&M was able to win that series is because Hurston Waldrop left the game after three innings, and then Jack Caggs left the game after three and a third inning. And that put a lot of stress on Florida's bullpen that weekend in a series they lost on the road. So I just think for Florida, getting – Getting five, at least five innings out of your starting pitching is going to be important this weekend, especially at the front end. At the back end, like, it's all hands on deck, right? But at the front end, you want to make sure South Carolina doesn't get real deep in that bullpen early in that series. Joseph? Go Gators! Go Gators! Go Gators! Come on, Gators! Get up and go! That was, that, was, that sounded very. Uh, oh, it was, it was interesting. Oh, well done, yeah, that, Joseph. That was interesting. I was trying not to scream into my microphone. I just don't. I don't want the levels to get. It's uh, much appreciated. You don't want Jay to fire up that blender over there. That's coming. 
<laughs> it's good to fill up some time because my, my X factor is also Will Sanders based. Yeah. It's just, you know, using him in the right role, which you guys have talked about. I agree. Don't yeah. be tempted to put him back in the rotation. I say the bullpen's the place for him, at least for right now. God, I totally Look. trampled on your point. I should have looked at the yeah. spreadsheet. I'm, That's Joe, right. listen, I'm going to buy you a steak for that when we get to Omaha. I, I owe you. <laughs> Go Gators. I paid Cade Denton no. as like an X factor and you, you blocked me. But you were the last one to enter your picks. Mine was already in there. Yeah, whatever. Coaching is about <laughs> emphasis, boys. We're just emphasizing. Let's do team picks. Kendall, what say you? South Carolina swept Florida a few weeks ago. Florida has not forgotten about that. There's a lot of chippiness in that series. Florida denied Brandon Neely. They have Brandon Neely. They're at home. I thought Texas Tech tested them well, but I like Florida at home in a really good series. I think this is going to be a fantastic series that will be pretty, pretty hard-nosed and chippy. Go ahead, Fitzy. Yeah, this this is, I think, a really fascinating one. I totally agree. I was skeptical of South Carolina heading into the postseason. I, I admit it. I really, even getting healthier, I didn't think they'd be able to just flip the switch and rediscover their mojo just because they're plugging a couple guys back into the right spots. And so Once you lose that mojo for five weeks, it's, it's hard to just get it again. And they, they got it. They looked awesome. They looked like the team that I saw sweep Florida in, in Columbia in the middle of the season. But now it just comes down to who's going to win, right? we got two really good teams going at it. Florida's the home team. Here's what I was really encouraged about with Florida. They fall into loser's bracket, and it's not like they just eke out a couple of wins to survive. They dominated the rest of the way, out of loser's bracket, throwing some guys who weren't their primary arms even as a starter, whatever. Like Those are pretty one-sided games, especially from a pitching standpoint. Uh, to me, that's, that was really acing a test is when you fall in the loser's bracket and then you're not just squeaking and holding on for dear life. You, they really cruise out of the loser's bracket. Like you don't see that very often, especially against a team like Texas tech. That felt like the test for Florida. Now I think they're going to clear. I think they find a way to win this series, even though I have the utmost respect for South Carolina and, and they're very dangerous. Joe. Go in Florida teams playing as, as well as any team in the country. If you go back to when South Carolina swept them, if you start then and move forward, it's hard to see a team other than Wake Forest, obviously, that's playing as well as Florida. I actually went with South Carolina. And I go. just, I this was a tough pick. I, the, I'm banking on this with my South Carolina pick. I'm banking on Florida starters struggling to throw strikes. The home plate umpires will be a big factor in this series, in my opinion. I say that, though, and Ryan Slater and Cade Fisher kind of emerged in the regional, and that gives Sully an ace, two aces, that if somebody's not throwing good strikes, he could slide those guys in. They're much more reliable strike throwers. Not as much stuff, clearly. But I just, I'm vibing on South Carolina. I am a sucker for teams that have been through the Valley and emerged, and I think that is South Carolina. I just, I just couldn't. I love the look of the, their whole operation last weekend. So I'll take the Gamecocks on the road, but th this is uh, what a super this is going to be. All right, boys, let's keep her moving. So we're going to Hattiesburg for the Hattiesburg Super Regional. Southern Miss is the host, obviously. They won the Auburn Regional, which got turned plaid, if you will. It got turned totally inside out, thanks to the Quake Show, the Penn Quakers. Southern Miss endured and won that one. Tennessee, one of the best college baseball games I've ever watched. They take down Clemson in 14 innings. They win the Clemson Regional, and Southern Miss was awarded the, the host spot. Scott Berry's last season. The hitter to watch, Kendall, that is you, correct? And by the way, did anybody see the tweet today that had that showed Scott Berry blowing leaves off the porch at the Pete earlier today? The best, yes. That was fantastic. He's amazing. Um, love Scott Berry. But uh, I'm gonna, for Tennessee, I'm going to go with Cade or Zane Denton. Boy, I'm going to make that mistake a lot this weekend. I'm going to go with Zane Denton from Tennessee. You know, this is a guy who's always had premium power. But if you look at the weekend at Clemson, guys, two bombs against Clemson. 
comes back, hits another home run in the final game against Charlotte. You always have these guys in the postseason that just rise to the occasion. And Denton entered the weekend as the seventh best hitter on that team in terms of average, and he had a massive weekend for them. So I just think if you look at Tennessee and you look at guys playing well right now, Zane Denton is one of those guys, and certainly he's a key hitter for the Vols right now. He's riding a hot stick. Sure is, man. One one pitch away, Clemson is from Brutal. what felt like Omaha. And this dude hits a two-run dinger. Crazy. I've got the pitcher to watch, and I'm going Chase Burns. He's in a relief role, and I just – he was – what a roller coaster ride of an outing he had against Clemson. He's he was was it was wild. That's the best way to say it. But he did have bases loaded, nobody out, and pitched his way out of it. Because when he executes, his stuff is filthy. It's this is an upper 90s fastball with an upper 80s slider. I think he's a first round pick. I think he's a big ligger. I think it works great in the bullpen. I also think Chase Burns. He has been in the biggest storms for Tennessee. He was a prominent player in the Notre Dame Super Regional last year. This dude, there's no spot that that Tony Vitello can put Chase Burns in that he hasn't seen before. He has been through everything, and he's super talented. I think he's really a key player in this whole thing, and he is he's not the X-Factor because I'm picking pitcher to watch, but he does feel like an X-Factor. Chase Burns, I see you. X-Factor for the home team is Fitzy, Me. correct? Yeah, and you mentioned Scott Barry, and it's a big deal. Like, it's this guy's had a great career. He is a beloved figure down in Hattiesburg and extremely well-respected man in all of baseball, really. And this is his last go-around. We talked about it on the regional preview show. Corky Palmer and his kind of farewell tour made it to Omaha in 2009 at Southern Miss, and this is it. And now a couple of things here. This can be a double-edged sword. You want it so bad for him that – it could cause you to press, right? So like, but also you could get an added emotional lift, but it's tied into the fact that they're hosting this thing. It's going to be a really electric atmosphere like it was last year in the Super Regional when they hosted Ole Miss. And that home field advantage didn't come through for them against Ole Miss, but here they are again, back in the same position, hosting a Super. Guys, they're 27 and five at home this year. Tennessee is six and 14 away from Knoxville. I believe if those numbers are updated, you give Tennessee credit. They finally went on the road and had a winning re- weekend for the first time all year in the regional last year. So they seem like they're peaking at the right time, but I do really like that. That Southern Miss crowd and the whole storyline around coach Barry feels like it's relevant this weekend. Joe X factor <laughs> for the Vols. Yeah. It's not giving Southern Miss extra outs in the field because I think there's Tennessee's got enough swing and miss in the mound that if they can control that and play catch, I think they're going to be in good shape. Southern misses offense is a veteran offense. They don't strike out a ton. Slade Wilkes has some swing and miss, but for the most part, that's a lineup that doesn't have a lot of that. So the ball is going to be put in play, but I think Southern miss is going to be a team that's going to need to string together three, four five hits to put runs on the board. They're not going to sit back and wait for a home run, even with Wilkes having 20 of them. So if Tennessee gets enough swing and miss, I think they can limit the number of big rallies Southern Miss has. However, that could be exacerbated if you if you throw the ball around on the infield. And Tennessee, I think, has improved as the season has gone on defensively, but there are still some liabilities defensively for Tennessee. So the pitching should be in good shape as long as there's no help given to the Eagles lineup. Yep. Let's do team picks. Kendall, who do you like here? 
I'm going to go with Southern Miss at home. I think Aaron brought up a great point about Tennessee being on the road. Granted, they went on road regional last weekend. Southern Miss is really good at home. I do think the element of Scott Berry retiring, it's funny, I was on a radio show earlier and they were asking me, do you think that actually puts more pressure on Southern Miss? I don't think it does at all. I think it actually, I think it's more just positive motivation than it is, oh, we've got to do this for coach. And so I think that element does help Southern Miss this weekend. And I think Southern Miss will be in Omaha in a week. Interesting. Fitzy. Yeah. Yeah, I told you guys a week ago that Southern Miss is going to Omaha, and so I'm not backing down from that, obviously. Yeah, I mean. We also wow. promised us DBU would be in Omaha, too. We, we missed a few. We took a few shots. <laughs> East, Carolina. East Carolina was also promised. Uh, but if I could at least deliver on one of my promises, <laughs> I would feel okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can for you guys. We're going to stick with Southern Thank Miss. You. This It's a, just a veteran team, guys. A lot of guys who've been in Super Regionals before, and that lineup is old, and I like that. And, and they have Tanner Hall. They do have that. Joe. And two picks for Southern Miss. What in the name of B.A. Volmuth is going on here? Nice. Uh, going with Tennessee. I get the feeling the cauldron of playing Clemson last weekend is a thing. I don't – maybe it's me buying a little bit into narrative, but it felt to me a little bit like slaying a dragon with the road stuff. Now – they could have easily lost that Saturday night game against Clemson a million different ways. Ball bounces one way or the other. They could have lost that game. Clemson had chances. And maybe we're not having this conversation if it goes that way. But to, to get through that and to win that regional on the road and do it relatively outside of the extra inning game being what it was, to go 3-0 and there and not really mess around with it, I think was big. Can't f- help but fight the feeling or can't fight the feeling that Tennessee is in a better place on the road. So I'm... Yes, this is going to be a tough environment. It always is going to Southern Miss. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee comes out and just looks like a team on a mission here. Yep. I'm with you, Joe. I'm going Tennessee. I'm banking on Clemson like you are that at Clemson, Tennessee exercised several demons. One was the road demons. One was the in that 14 inning game with Clemson, Tennessee made zero errors. And I think about all the tension in that game. And I know that's the tiniest of sample sizes, but it just... Here's the other thing that I couldn't get past after watching the Clemson-Tennessee game. For 14 innings, Clemson had to face big leaguers. Like Seth Alverson and Chase Dolander and Chase Burns are all pitching in the big leagues if they stay healthy. Like those are all mid to upper 90 arms. And Southern Miss struggled a little bit with Penn's pitching. And I loved Penn's pitching, but it's not Tennessee's pitching. So I'm taking the Vols here. I think the atmosphere in Hattiesburg will be excellent. It's probably underrated of these super regional atmospheres. It's going to be really fun. You know know what as well, Runes, is I think the fact that the Southern Miss last year got dominated by an SEC team at Ole Miss at home in that super, I think that's actually going to help them this weekend. Yeah, I think they can go back to that series and go, hey, like here are the things that we didn't do, whether it's in preparation, in game or whatever. I think they're going to learn a lot or will have learned a lot of valuable lessons from that. You know what's funny? Coach Farron and I interviewed Scott Barry, Mike Farron, Coach Farron. We interviewed Scott Barry today for the radio show for This Week in College Baseball. And we I asked him that. I said, hey, does last year's Super Regional help this year's team? And he said, but we lost. And Tennessee lost a Super Regional last year. Like, I'm sure their kids feel the same way. So, like, he was very yeah. deferential. But I tend to lean with you, Kendall. I think last year's Super Regional really serves Southern Miss in a very positive way. So, very cool. All right, let's keep it rolling. Stanford, Super Regional. Stanford is the host. They came back through the loser's bracket in very impressive fashion to beat Texas A&M. Their opponent, the visiting team, will be Texas, who, speaking of impressive, pretty much dominated the Coral Gables Regional. I did not have that on my scorecard or on my my dance card, I should say. That was 
man, that was jarring. The hitter to watch is you, Joe. It is. Going with Tommy Troy. Alberto Rios might have been the Pac-12 player of the year. I think Tommy Troy might actually be the more interesting guy. For me, both great players, but for me, Tommy Troy is a premium athlete, some versatility. He's got some pop. He hits for average. He can steal bases. He really just a great all-around player. And shout out to Pat James for giving me this stat. Tommy Troy is hitting 444, which is 41 for 93, with 12 home runs and 31 RBIs in 24 postseason games in his career. So how about that? That's pretty um, good. Yeah, playing playing well at the right time. But just a really fascinating player, a guy who's made big time strides. I think we've made the comparison on this podcast before. Tim Tawa is a guy at Stanford who took a while to put it all together. And Tommy Troy's kind of doing the same where super talented guy, just wasn't a complete baseball player, but now is certainly coming into his own. I like it. Fitzy, pitcher to watch, please. I'm going with LeBaron Johnson. He was the, uh, I mean, they, they pitched great all weekend at Miami, but he was probably the best of the lot. Come on. It might've been the best pitching performance of the entire regional round. Nine went the distance, allowed one run against a really good Miami offense. He's always had really tantalizing stuff. And I think I, I remember seeing him out of the bullpen in the super regional last year at East Carolina and the stuff was electric, but it wasn't quite trustworthy yet. He had an okay year last year as a freshman, but it just wasn't quite trustworthy yet. The pitchability and the confidence and all that stuff just wasn't quite there. And now it is guys. He's arrived. He's a star. He's got a two, six ERA with plenty of strikeouts. Walks are mostly in check. And right now he looks like a guy that he's like that, that Josh Sabors or somebody who just all of a sudden used to be a reliever. Now he's a starter, whatever role you want to use him in like this, this is the kind of power arm that you can see Nick Howard, one of these, I don't know why I keep using these Virginia guys, but one of these guys, Riley Farrell, right? TCU, one of these guys who comes out of the bullpen in the, or starts in, in, in June and just carries you and overpowers opponents. You feel like you see these guys and it matters. Yeah, he's I, he's nasty. It's six six and it's downhill. He throws downhill and the fastball sits at the very at your shins and it's just not hittable. And the nasty too. Oh yeah, yeah it's like a, isn't it like a split, Kendall? I feel it's yeah, it's, it's a, a it's a split change. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, he, you're right, Fitzy. He's nasty. So I have the X factor for Stanford, the home team, and it's the bullpen of I'm going to say Brant Panser, Drew Dowd, and Ryan Tony Bruno. And shout out to Tony Bruno of six ten WIP. Go Eagles. The uh, Panzer Panzer's just the, the reliable guy. 30 appearances every single year. Drew Dowd's a former starter. It's velocity from the left side. And then Ryan Bruno is like uber velocity from the left side. Stanford doesn't really have lights out starting pitching besides Quinn Matthews. Quinn Matthews will have an interesting weekend because he pitched twice last weekend. I also think Texas, if they have an Achilles heel, it is the end of games. Their bullpen is very uncertain. It was better in Coral Gables, but that could be a real advantage for Stanford is if it's a tight game at the end, that's where Texas's demons lie. That's the skeletons in the closet for Texas are in the eighth and ninth inning. We'll see. We'll see if, if they come out. We'll see if they don't. But I think the Stanford bullpen is a it's an advantage for them if those kids pitch their abilities and they're going to need that. Joe, is it you? No, it's me. Oh, Kendall X factor for oh, for the horns. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Texas bullpen because I think the big key for Texas is getting strong starts. If you look at Stanford's two wins over A&M over the weekend, they aid him to not get great starting pitching. Nathan Detmer pitched okay, but Troy Wanzing, one and two-third. And if Stanford is able to get in that Texas bullpen 
early, let's say in the first three to four innings, it's going to be a long night for the Longhorns, as we saw it was for the Aggies in one of those games, in one of those regional final games. So Lucas Gordon, Big 12 Pitcher of the Year, he's been Mr. Consistent this year. Then LeBaron Johnson, he's been one of the best pitchers in college baseball over the last three or four weeks. And so the big key for them, if LeBaron and Lucas Gordon get you in a six, which last weekend in Coral Gables, they went well beyond that. So that's going to be a huge key to the weekend. Kendall, roll right into your team pick. Who'd you go with here? I think this is going to be a really close series. I actually think Texas matches up okay with Stanford. Uh, but I do. I think the reason why A&M didn't beat them is because A&M starting pitching isn't what Texas is. I'll go with Stanford at home, but I think this is going to be a really good series. These are, these are two teams that are just excellent, have an excellent winning percentage in Super Regionals. So something's going to have to give. I'm going to just going to go with Stanford's potent offense at home. Fitzy? Yeah, I picked Stanford to win it all. I didn't see anything this past weekend that that shook me off that pick, although I'm a little nervous because, as you mentioned, Runes, they had to bring back Quinn Matthews for a fairly extended relief outing, right, on Monday? Like 70 pitches. Yeah, I don't know when they can use him again and feel good about it and getting length out of him, and that's such a key part of this yeah. series for me. So that's maybe my one concern about Stanford, but I believe in Joey Dixon. I believe in certainly the bullpen guys. I think it looked like Matt Scott was useful. I mean, he's maybe not what he was early in the year, but I think there's enough on the mound. I love their offense. I love their Omaha experience, back-to-back years in the College World Series. A lot of guys on this roster who know how to win. And like Florida, they came back through the loser's bracket. Didn't do it quite as emphatically as Florida did, but it was they had to hang on against Fullerton. But the next two games against AM, they were wound up being fairly one-sided once they separated themselves from the Aggies in the middle of that that Monday game uh, asserted their authority there and that that was encouraging to see so yeah I'm sticking with Stanford contrarian Joe what say you I'm going with Texas I like the emergence of LeBaron Johnson as Kendall mentioned as as a running mate with Lucas Gordon there that duo if they pitch Gordon as consistently as he has all season. LeBaron Johnson can run back what he did last weekend. Obviously, that's a high bar to clear. They can neutralize the Stanford offense. Now, you're not going to shut it down because that group is so good. But the combination of those pitchers being able to slow down Stanford and the fact that Stanford's not really in the business of shutting any offense down, Texas has a chance to get some runs of its own. I think those two things are going to kind of pull this series into the middle. And I like Texas's moxie. It's a team that, look, they've been in – Omaha now, whatever it is, three of the last four tournaments or something along those lines. They just continue to put themselves in this position, even though they're typically not the best team out there. Last year, I guess they were number one in the preseason, but didn't live up to that. But this has not been number one with a bullet type of Texas teams that have gotten to Omaha recently, and they but they continue to get to that stage. To your point, Joe, one of these two teams will go to Omaha for the third straight year, which is so impressive. That's next to impossible in today's college baseball. I You alluded to it, Joe. I'm picking Stanford because of their experience. I think Texas's they had – that's what makes Texas being here so impressive. So many new faces, so many stars to replace. Stanford, not that way. And I think like their veteran lineup, I think, can handle Lucas Gordon's changeup. We'll see. It's not going to be a trick pitch they've never seen before. So I needed a tiebreaker, and Stanford's at home, and I think they're the more experienced team. So that's you know, what I went with. Yeah, the one thing I was going to mention, Runes, is really interesting about Stanford that I love about this team is I was watching the game when they lost A&M, and Stanford's coming off the field. You could see, like, their body language is, okay, all right, I see what you got. In the next two days, like, they had a lot of confidence. They were mm-hmm. loose, but they were really confident. So I just think when you look at this team overall, man, they play – like a bunch of junkyard dogs, they do they do not get nervous, and th- there's a real value to that in this kind of format. 
I like it. Like the four people on these this call, just a bunch of dogs. Yeah, man. You know I'm talking about. All right, let's go to the final super regional right here. Winston Salem, Wake Forest will host. They just absolutely obliterated the Winston Salem regional. Just unreal how well they played last week, and almost too well. Almost scary how well they played. Alabama won the Tuscaloosa Regional. They went 3-0 as well. Incredible story. They're now 13-4 and since Jason Jackson took over for Brad Bohannon. I have the hitter to watch. That hitter is going to be Nick Kurtz of Wake Forest. I think he may actually be the best hitter in the country. Reasonable minds can disagree on that. This kid is six foot five. He's monstrous. And the bat-to-ball skills are off the charts. And when you combine that physicality, he's left-handed. With that bat, that that pure hit tool, he's incredible around first base. I think if you're pitching to Wake Forest, you're always thinking about where Nick Kurtz is. You want to know where he's sitting in the dugout. He's a really scary dude, especially in that park. So Nick Kurtz is my hitter to watch. Pitcher to watch, Kendall, is you. I'm with you, Runes. I thought Wake Forest looked flat out terrifying last weekend. You yes, know, I watched two word. of their games, and it honestly looked like they were playing against a bunch of junior college teams. That's how good they looked. And I think – like somebody's, if they're going to lose a series, somebody is going to have to shut them down. And I think when, if you look at Alabama, Gary McMillan's a guy that I've seen him dominate teams a couple of times this year. And the thing I like about McMillan too, guys, he's a senior. Like he's been around forever. He's an old guy. He's not going to get nervous or rattled by anything. And so I just think, obviously, I don't like Alabama's chances of beating Rhett Louder. That puts the season on the shoulders of a guy like Gary McMillan and, and a senior. Gary McMillan's the big key for me when I look at when I look at Alabama. Here, Joe, who has the next one? I've got Brad the X. Yeah, Go I've got it. the X factor here. And I talked about this last week, so I don't want to just keep harping on it, but I do think it's, it's important. Ten, Wake Forest has to handle the weight of history. And by that, I mean you, when you're the number one overall seed and you've had this historically dominant season in the ACC, you've been the best team all year long. And this is your shot. Wake Forest is not a program where it's being a private school, they're not going to be good every year. They're not going to just reload next year and be fine. They're losing a ton of guys, and they'll have a window every few years at a private school in the ACC. That's how it works, really. And so it's this is it. Like we got to get to Omaha for the first time since 1955, right? When they, uh, I think that's it. That's the last time. And so we're knocking the doorstep here. And Tennessee was best team last year and didn't get there. And Arkansas was the best team year before that and didn't get to Omaha. The difference is. I think that Arkansas team, as great a season as they had, was flawed a little bit. Like the one fatal flaw was the lack of pitching depth. And we knew that all year long. And they won every weekend despite that. And that's remarkable. But in the end, that fatal flaw got them. Tennessee's fatal flaw, I think the one thing that we were maybe nervous about with Tennessee all year long was emotional immaturity. Flammability. And would that bite them at the wrong time? And I think it's fair to say it did. I don't see that with Wake Forest. I don't, I don't see a fatal flaw. I can't find one. I've been looking. And like they, they, their rotation is the best in the country. Their bullpen might be the best in the country. Their offense is elite. They play good defense. It's certainly good enough defense. It's strong. It's a strength. And they are mature, and they're old, and they're experienced, and they're playing at home. They've got a good crowd right now. I feel like they can handle pressure. They sure didn't look like a team that felt any pressure last weekend. That Maryland game in particular, like maybe it benefited them to have the long weather delay and they had to come out and think about it all day. And like, they were rare to go. It was a great clip of, I think the football coach, was it? Basketball. Uh, yeah. It was basket- awesome. The basketball coach rather, you know, just getting them hype and ready to go at 10 o'clock at night. He's yelling at the fans, get back to the ballpark. So great. And I just felt like it almost played into their hands. 
like late night goofiness of it all. It just it kept him loose. So that's the thing. Can we stay loose like we have all year long if we're wakeful? That's really what it comes down to. That's a rambling answer, but that's what I got my eye on. They're the best team in the country, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. But let's see how they handle it. I like it. Joe, can you keep us loose and give us an X factor for Alabama? I absolutely can. But first, we're going to sit here and wait until Aaron can guess the name of the Wakes basketball coach. Steve Forbes. We're going to stay here. Oh, really? No way. Wow. Did you, I couldn't did have you, guessed that with Google 70 that? guesses. No, I knew. I saw that it was Steve Forbes who was there, and someone called him Coach Forbes. So I just took a shot that was either okay. football or basketball. It was 50 yeah. 50 shot. I see. And I, okay. So he uh, just got the bat head out and ran into yeah, one. Right. Right. I, I, I took a hat, <laughs> well, guys. Take him for Pardon me. I just, I got my eyebrows singed off from the heat from Aaron just coming in with Steve Forbes. Good for you. Good for you. For the people listening, go, go look up on YouTube, Steve Forbes, like the video hype video introduction that, that Wake gave him when he first took the job. It's pretty funny stuff. Yes. What are, what were we talking about here? X oh, X factors. Yes. Alabama needs to come in and introduce some doubt to Wake Forest. Wake Forest hasn't dealt with a lot of that they much like Tennessee last year have largely cruised this season and while I agree with Aaron's general assessment that this team is different I think there's a level of veteran nature some maturity that will allow Wake Forest to deal with the adversity we don't really know we've not seen it Alabama's talented enough to make them at least think about it so as I worded it they need to punch Wake Forest in the mouth early and make Wake Forest hence this graphic here where we've got an elephant punching a deacon in the face so disrespectful to the de- to the deacon with the Batman pow symbol yeah. pow <laughs> icon yeah i don't yeah the deacon probably he could, if he gets on the motorcycle he's obviously outrunning the elephant but that's going to be tough i don't think you as a human can, are elephants fast I think underway, they move pretty probably good. Probably so. It probably takes them a while, like a diesel engine. Probably takes them a while to <laughs> get going. Good analogy. But regardless, Alabama comes in. They're talented enough to make Wake Forest think about it. So if Alabama can come in and stay hot offensively, or if Luke Holman starts that series and rips off four or five zeros, can you get Wake to think about the weight of history and what's happening there and start to introduce some doubt of, are we? is this really happening? Are we getting upset at this stage? We're going to come so close and fall short these people are human. So those thoughts do creep in when you hit adversity sometimes. And that's going to be key for Alabama, because if you let, if you let wind get in the wake forest sails, it's going to look like it did last weekend where they didn't seem to break a sweat. Yes. Kendall, tell us that you picked out uh, wake forest. I'm going to go with Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to wake forest. As you should. Fitzy. Christian Aro's heart just stopped. As you said that. No, Aaron, I think Aaron's heart just stopped. Like how dare I pick against the No, dare you.com. The, De- the Deeks are going to bring it on home, and uh, it's. I think Alabama, I'm excited to watch Alabama be there this weekend. Yeah. I haven't seen them much, and I'm really looking forward to it because I like their team a lot in the fall. One of my one of my big bold picks was Alabama and South Carolina were going to be good this year, and they're both in supers, so I feel good about that. Yeah. But as you recall, on on Deke Day back in November when we did the podcast and we dropped the Wake Forest fall report, I was also pretty bullish on Wake Forest. I think they get through this year, guys. I like it, Joe. It might understand that the Deacon doesn't ride the motorcycle into the basketball arena anymore, right? That's a, it doesn't happen anymore. Can anybody confirm that? Aaron, I'm looking at you. you Coach the, Forbes rides as, the motorcycle. As the obvious Wake Forest basketball expert. I'm glad you're asking me this. Uh, I, heard, I heard Aaron's riding it in a Gene Hooks on Friday. Yeah. Ooh. I haven't gotten that invite, but. <laughs> if so, that's a shame. We're really missing yeah. out. I would like to see him ride it into into the baseball stadium in a Gene Hooks, but I feel like that might not be great for the playing surface if he just did a bunch <laughs> of like donuts in the middle of the outfield, <laughs> tore up the turf. But anyway, Wake Forest is my choice. Why would I be going a different direction? Though, 
Alabama's playing pretty well right now. I think there's I think there is going to be a moment where Wake Forest is going to have to battle through something, but I think they will. Yeah, I'm picking Wake Forest as well. I loved Kendall's word. Wake Forest was terrifying last weekend. There is a talent gap here. It's not as significant as people may think, but there is a talent gap. And eventually one of these number one teams is going to get back to Omaha. This is not going to be an ad infinitum type of phenomenon in college baseball. And I think Wake Forest is going to break that trend. Well done, boys. As we wrap here, I want to do a couple things. First of all, Nolan Shanuel of Florida Atlantic did not was not a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award. I am personally very disappointed by that. And I just, Nolan Shanuel of Florida Atlantic, if you hear our voices, hear us tipping a glass back for you. You had one of the great seasons that I've seen statistically, just an insanely good season. He did lead the country in OPS. This is not a slight on Dylan Cruz or Jack Caglione or Paul Skeens. They very much deserve to be finalists. I'm just disappointed that, uh, that Nolan Chanuel wasn't able to sneak his way in there. So there's that. I will tell you, Nolan Chanuel, you are a finalist for the Kurt Reed Award. I, I feel emboldened to say that. Uh, for sure. I, and I voted for those finalists. I voted for Chanuel as one of my three. And, and obviously Skeens. But it's funny because it's tough. Like it's, yeah, you got to like, pick three. Three, three is a tough number. Like I, and I think Rhett Lauder, like a two-time ACC Pitcher of the Year, National ERA leader, it feels like. He's got to he's got to be there, right? And it's yeah. but then do you leave off Cags, who's this freakish two way player? Do you leave off Dylan freaking Cruz, who's like the best player in the country and has been? It's not easy to pick three. I wound up. I will say this: I'll reveal my ballot. I voted for Skeens, Shanwell, and Louder. I didn't want to, I didn't want to split the LSU vote. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, there's so many good choices. Go ahead, Joe. I will my my last little bit importantly and relatedly is that I have received confirmation they still do the motorcycle at Wake Forest basketball games. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Well done. And I, for one, am relieved. Yes. Boys, one, one final note. This is the very best time to get a sub to d1baseball.com, SEC Extra. Type in SAVE30 at checkout, and coupon Kendall over there will get, thir- get you 30% off an annual subscription. SEC Extra nd1baseball.com i'll tell you you do not want to go into super regionals without this you can look up players like i looked up Kay denton this week if you're like me and you want to learn more about oral roberts it's been a little under the radar we've got great articles there if you want to learn more about indiana state great pieces there as well another thing the super regional previews are absolutely awesome joseph has already put the gainesville super regional up there so you get what time the games are and what channels you get five reasons to watch. And then my favorite part is you get quotes from opposing coaches, anonymous opposing coaches, breaking down the two clubs. It's not very low. It's very economical as far as your reading time goes, but it is incredible information. And those opposing coaches, just their viewpoints are so unique. And because it's anonymous, they really let it rip. It's really great stuff. So the first one is up there. Don't go into Super Regional Weekend in Omaha without your D1 and SEC Extra subscriptions. That is it. Everyone enjoy the most wonderful weekend of the year. The stress and the tension Super Regional Weekend, Super Regional Weekend is unparalleled. Just there's so much on the line. Your dreams are coming true or the heart, your heart's on the field. It's really a wild weekend in college baseball. So that's it. Enjoy. We'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.